0: Well, it's a delight to have you here today. We're finishing up on our series on Galatians, Galatians 6, verses 11 to 18 today. And I have to tell you, I'm a little bit sad. Uh, Maybe maybe you're not, I don't know, but I'm a little bit sad because I have thoroughly enjoyed working through this book, as I know James and Tim have also. Um, We are starting a new series next week. It's going to be called Body Life. It will run up to about Christmas. And we're just going to be looking at uh, different aspects of the church. Uh, Some things that we um, haven't spoken about before that we thought we would like to be able to speak to you about. With some overlap of some things we've spoken about before. So James will be leading us out in that series next week. So we're excited about that. I want to tell you the story two different men, Henry and William. Now, if that is your name, I am not thinking of you, okay? So if your name is Henry or William, please, honestly, I'm not. I had to pick some name. What can I tell you about Henry? Henry is an upstanding trustee in a local mainline church. I mean, his reputation... Around town, is stellar. He's known as a very, very moral man, a good family man. He, uh, he thinks God is fine with him. I mean, look, everybody has their problems, you know. Uh, and 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 he does quote the creeds, so he believes those things. But. Um, He would tell you he's a pretty good guy. He's a little troubled, though, because two of his children have gotten involved in one of the churches in town, an evangelical church. Troubles him a little bit because they seem a little bit hyper on Jesus. I mean, look, everybody likes Jesus. You just don't want to overdo it. You know what I'm saying? So Henry's been concerned about that. His image is very important. The last thing he would want is for people to look at him and to think he's some kind of a radical extremist. That, that is, I mean, that, that is not Henry. So, he's open on a lot of issues theologically. God, creation, and sexual, sexual issues, and psycho- psychological issues. You know, because he doesn't want to ruffle feathers. We, we, we God is love after all, you know. And at the end of the day, probably everybody will be okay. However, in his quietest moments when he's alone, he wonders if there might not be more to life. That's Henry. William, on the other hand, doesn't have much of a pedigree. I mean, if I shared with you some of the things he had done in the past, it would make any one of us blush. But he would call himself a radical follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> he would tell you Jesus is the only way and he is everything. And Henry's upset because his son is spending a lot of time with William. If he ask William... If you asked William, William, can you trust yourself? <laughs> he would say, no way. He knows what happens when he does. He would say, it's all about Christ. And, and because of it, he's lost promotions at work. People think he's weird. They've mocked him. They've done a whole host of things. He doesn't get invited to as many family get-togethers, although morally, he's a much better guy than he ever was before. It's strange how that works sometimes. You know, when I think of Henry, and when I think of William, I think of Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 to 18. Because what you're going to find are really a tale Of two kinds of religions. there's, There's the way, all the way through the book of Galatians, that the Judaizers have been promoting. It's always a Jesus plus deal, you know? Jesus is never quite enough. And then there's Paul. And what's incredible to me when you come to this passage is, Paul will give you this clear distinction between the two. Paul is just being Paul, but in being Paul, you see his heart, and you see the heart of Henry or the Judaizers. So come with me there in the text, and what you'll find is what they each boast in is very different. So my question for you today, where do you boast? The Anatomy of Man-Centered Religiosity. We're going to find it here unpacked for us in verses 12 and 13. But let me start with verse 11. Paul begins by saying, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Does that seem strange to you? I mean, you, know, you get to the end of a book and he says, Hey, look how big my A is. <laughs> what is that all about? Well... One of the things we know from Paul's letters is he often would have other people write down what he was saying. and He he wasn't necessarily the guy writing it down. He would often have a secretary. And one of the reasons for that possibly coming out of Galatians itself is he may have had some real serious eye problems. Remember what he said back um, in chapter 4 about the fact that you would have actually plucked out your eyes for me? Perhaps that's indicative of the fact that, that he did have some eye issues. And... I'm I'm not sure that here, all he's saying here is, he is saying this. He is saying, I want to emphasize the fact that what I'm saying here is really, really important. So maybe they're big letters. I think that's that that's definitely going on. But but I can't help but think that when Paul says, See the big letters with which I am writing to you, he's saying, I have eye problems. I, I'm not perfect. When you see that, you don't see a perfectly polished person. You see a guy who's got, got to write in large letters because doesn't see real well, to be perfectly honest with you. Another reason he's got somebody writing stuff down for him, for heaven's sakes. And so coming right out of the chute, I want to see stellar Paul. Paul, tell me about your credentials. And Paul says, I got eye problems. Interesting, isn't it? What what does he say about the Judaizers? Look in verses 12 and 13. This is is powerful stuff. I'm going to read it and then try to unpack it for you. And folks, stay with me. Stay with me because it's a difference between heaven and hell. Man-centered religiosity is bankrupt. Listen to what it says. Verse 12, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh, try to compel you to be circumcised, simply that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised in order that they may boast in your flesh. Couple things bubble up there off the page to me, as, as, as we look at a, an ancient Henry, if you will. Here's what we find. If I could unpack the heart of that Judaizer, if I want to say to my, I'd want to say to him, because through, by, through, and here twice, why are you so passionate? about compelling them and pushing them and driving them to come back under the law, to add something to Christ. Why are you doing... Why is it such an important thing to you? And what we find is the answer to that is found there in verse 13. At the end of the day, you know what they boast in? They boast in the flesh. Now, that doesn't mean... Flesh can be used different ways. We've seen this in Galatians, right? Sometimes the flesh can talk about just that wicked bent within us to to sin and, and to be rebellious against God. Absolutely. And there's probably some tie in there even with that. Paul's probably doing some interesting things here. However, you know what Paul's saying? There is a whole group of people like Henry and the Judaizers. That boast and human achievement, what effort, what I can do, boasting. We all know what boasting is, don't we? We are, see our son playing soccer as a, as a fourth grader, and he cuts around that defender and races toward the goal and kicks it in the upper right-hand corner. Probably was an accident, but nonetheless, it goes there. You know what that's like, don't you, as a dad? You go, Yeah, that's my boy out. You know, you know what we, we we all do these things. We all know what it means to boast, to glory, and to We we do it. And this text tells us it's a whole group of people. They'll tell you a lot of things about religiosity. They'll use words like praise the Lord. They'll talk to you about believing decrees, the they'll tell all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like Henry, they boast in themselves. I can do it. And you know what happens? If I'm boasting in Doug, I'm going to be very concerned what you think. Do you see that? And so it's exactly what happens in this passage. Out of this whole idea of boasting and, and, and the, although the text doesn't use these exact words, it's, it's what comes to my mind. They really fear people. Which means they're very keenly aware of, I want you to like me. I want you to approve of me. I don't want you to be mad at me. And at one level, that's true of all of us, isn't it? I mean, like, if you know, I'm no masochist. I I would like it if you like me. Hello? But that's not the point here. The point here is, that's just not something on the peripheral that we struggle with. That's something that's moved in the very core of my heart that I have to have. Because if it's about what I do, I want people around me to see it and to accept me. I don't want them to say, you're radical, you're a little weird, I mean, you're going way overboard on this Jesus stuff. No, 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 no. I want them to say I'm a balanced individual, thoughtful, careful, reflective. Do, Do you see what I'm saying? And that's exactly what goes on here in the text. They, verse 12, they want to make a good showing in the flesh. They don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Because apparently what was happening in their day was this. There was a whole set of Jews outside of these Judaizing agitators that were trying to get the Galatians to come to Judaism. There was a whole other set of Jews out here that, that were very zealous and very concerned about this whole Jesus movement. So this group wanted to modify things just a little bit. Be able to say, hey, hey, no, 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 no. We're pushing them all your direction. They're, they're all pretty good. What they didn't realize is, as they did that, they were minimizing the sufficiency of the cross of Christ. Do you see that? See, they were pushing this way because they wanted these people out here not to persecute. We don't need persecution in the church. We we need people to like us. We need things to go well. So let's modify our language. Yeah, people can be saved a lot of ways because God is loving. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for that one. Do, do you see how easy it is to do that in our culture, folks? Isn't it? It's easy because of the pressure around for me to modify the lesson, the message, and that's exactly what the Judaizers were doing. We don't want these guys not to like us. Let's just modify But in modifying, they destroy the centrality and the sufficiency of the cross. Do you see? You can't do it. But if it's about what I do, Me, me, me. I'm concerned how you see me. And I can modify so others will be okay with me and respect me and like me and not oppose me. Do you see how subtle that is? Can we not all struggle with that, folks? Do you see? And Paul Paul goes on to say this. As he, as he, and he said it all through the book of Galatians. Paul says, what happens is, when you start with us, I can do this, my achievements, what I've accomplished. You inevitably are going to be concerned what they say. When you're concerned what they say, you've already modified your message. And you know what? The very people that you're trying to impress are the very people that you're ultimately going to hurt. Do you see that? Because I'm no longer telling them truth. I'm saying, you're okay. It's all, it's all right. Good people differ on things. I'm sure the man upstairs will be okay with it. You know, have we not heard people say these things? And you go like, no. No. You're not Okay. But we live in a world around us that is constantly pressuring, saying, modify, stop it, loosen up. Don't be so Jesus centered on cross centered. You talk too much about sin. Stop it. We're good people at heart. Really? Really? But isn't that what we hear in our world around us? And Paul says, It's man-centered religiosity. You know what fascinates me in this passage? In the midst of all of that, look at verse 13a. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. The very people, I'll never forget years ago, uh, the senior pastor that Tim and I worked under for years, he he was a, He was a really terrible, terrible person by everybody's standards before he came to faith in Christ. That's for sure. And you know, there was a question somebody asked him once on a beach that God's Spirit used in his life. He was walking down the beach, and there was some guy trying to preach the gospel, and he thought the guy was nuts. And the guy pulled up beside him, and he said, "You know what, Jordan? You are who you are when you're all alone." Remember that, Tim? And he said, I went home and I wanted to kill that guy because I couldn't get away from that statement. Because when I sit by myself and I'm all alone, I lose confidence in myself. And I wonder about the things where I th- everybody else thinks he has it together. I don't have it together. And this text says the very people that are saying, modify, do this, come, pull, pull, pull. Even they don't live up by the very standard that they establish. And in their quietest moments, they realize they can't. Man-centered religiosity. Contrast that with God-centered Christianity. Paul, tell us about you, Paul. And look at what Paul says in verse 14. But may it never be that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Folks, we've um, sanitized the cross. What if I stood up before you and said, But may it never be that I should boast except in the guillotine, the electric chair? You're going to like, That guy's weird. (laughs) You'd be right. What is the cross in antiquity? Yeah, we we look at it now and we say, "Oh, it's one." It is. It, it's the most precious thing in the world to us. However, in, in antiquity, the cross was like, who would ever want to look at the cross? Which is why, in First Corinthians, when Paul's talking about the cross, he says, "Every time a Jew looks at this idea of a cross, he thinks stumbling block because that means you've been cursed of God." And he's actually right. And the Gentile says, foolishness. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. What kind of a God would die? Do you know a couple of years ago, I was listening to Richard Dawkins and Samuel Harris, two atheists. And I was amazed that they brought up these very arguments. And they didn't know first Corinthians and and, and they 're talking along and 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 I think it was Harris that said he said i can 't believe that anybody could believe in the cross because it it, it talks about the violent death of 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 of, of a person a, a father giving a son a son willing to be able to die it's it 's human sacrifice that 's gross it 's weird and Dawkins said if God really was the creator God, he wouldn't give a rip about what goes on on one tiny planet called Earth and do all that. And when they spoke, I thought to myself, 1 Corinthians 1, deja vu. The, the arguments haven't changed. They just keep sweeping back. Is the cross a place of shame? Yes. The Romans... The Romans came up with the worst kind of torture they could imagine. You put a man on that cross, you make him suffer as long as he can. He catches his breath and sinks back down, catches his breath and sinks back down. And you try to, and sometimes we know guys were on the cross sometimes for two days. And then finally, when it's all over, you break their legs, they can't pull themselves up, and they'll suffocate and they'll die. And you hope the birds will land on them. You hope all kinds of stuff will happen. It was pure torture. The Romans said we will use it so we will build fear into everybody. And it did. And Paul says, I don't boast in crosses and crucifixions. I boast in that cross and that crucifixion. Of Jesus Christ. You call it a shame. You call it whatever you want. And actually the Jews were right. It was a curse. And it's the wonder of the gospel. Because Paul realizes something. He tried all his life. To be an achiever. And when you read. Philippians chapter 3. Paul says. It's all horse manure. At the end of the day. None of it works. I tried it. I was the best at it. And I failed. And I glory in the fact that I came to the point in my life where I realized I am the worst sinner who will never, ever be able to work his way to God. Ever. And I am absolutely overwhelmed And Dawkins is right. Why should God care? Because he does. I agree with him. It doesn't make sense, but he's love. That God would love us that much. And Harris, you're right. It is is a terrible thing that that a person would have to die. But there was no other way. The God-man, Jesus Christ, would have to die for us on the cross. Because I can't. I can't. He can. He lives the perfect life. He dies that death that I deserve to die. And Paul says, it's because of that that I've been united to this resurrected Lord because he did not stay in the grave. But the very thing that everybody looks at and says, that is awful. In the middle of the night, Paul says, when I wake up, Tears flow down my eyes as I think of the cross. Because the cross is God's love. The cross is my inability. The, the cross is my forgiveness. It's everything that God would do. That. It's freedom. It's all of that. Paul says, that's all I can think about. Yeah, but Paul, you've you, you done, you done some real good things in your life. I know that's bad English, so I I did that on purpose, okay? Paul said, Christ is everything. And while some people will boast, and I can do this, and I can do that, and think what you want about the cross. But that's where I boast. And you know, Paul will go on to say, because that 's where I boast i don 't live by the fear of man. See, look at what he said there in verse verse eleven. See with what large letters i 'm writing you oh paul is he 's got eye problems Paul says, so what i, I don 't care what you think my image should be my fact and back in chapter one of Galatians Paul said. I'm not about pleasing people. Now, that this media doesn't love people, doesn't want to minister to people. That's all true. But his driving passion and motivation is not to please people. It's to be lost in the wonder of the cross. And when you're lost there, I'm happy to talk to you about how bad of a sinner I am because I am. Because we're sin abounds. What abounds more, folks? Grace. That's the cross. And Paul says, because that's the case, you can think what you want about me. Big handwriting. And you can do something else. Look at verse 17. From now on, let no man, no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the the brand marks of Jesus. I am so passionate about this. You may not agree with me, Paul says. You may dislike me so much because I'm saying this is it, and I will never allow people to diminish this by adding that. So Paul says, I face persecution all my ministry on this one. People have hated me. You go read 2 Corinthians 11. Get a chance this afternoon. And Paul will just catalog for you all the things he went through. And you know what he says in 2 Corinthians 4? All of that cannot compare with the glory that is mine in Christ. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? But see, when I'm lost here, it doesn't mean I don't love you. But at the end of the day, I don't live for you. I live for him. So if you come after me, I don't like you coming after me. I like people to like me. But if you do for this, there's other things you could probably come after me for too, but for this, I'm not moving. You're a bigot, Finkpiner. Call me what you want. You're something phobic, Finkbiner. Call me what you want. I'd rather you didn't but I'm lost in the cross. And that changes everything in my relationships. You may not approve, you may not like, but I will not shift. And here's the beauty of this passage. Because that's how Paul lives, he's able to love his neighbor in a way that, because he does it out of freedom. You see, if I'm free from you and your opinions, because I'm lost here, I'm then freed to move back towards you and to love you with the truth regardless. Look at look what he says. Look, look, um, look down at, uh, oh, where did I put it? Uh, verse, oh man, I missed something else I want to talk to you about too. This is a lot of good stuff in here. I skipped over something. I'll come back to it. Okay, anyway. Um, verse 16. Those who, who will walk by this rule And it's literally the same, the word walk is the same thing that Tim preached on back in chapter 5. Those who kind of keep in step with cross-centered living, if you will, okay? Those who live by this rule. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. You know what he's saying? Paul's saying, if I stay true here and I'm not pressured by you, I'm freed to move back toward you, tell you the truth, and see God do a work of grace in your life where others embrace the peace and mercy which can only come from this. But if I'm bound by you and I zip it and don't say anything, I'm not loving you because I'm afraid of you. But when I'm lost in him, I'm free to love you and to declare the truth. Do you see how that works, folks? Wow, it's powerful, isn't it? I love it. Here's what I forgot to say. It's terrible. It's so good. I, I, I was going so fast, I forget stuff. But look, look down for just a minute. I love this. Look down at verse 14 again. Oh, I got on the boast thing, and that just wiped me out. It's good stuff. May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, folks through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision put new creation. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, when I am lost here, I'm under new rulership now. Does it mean that there's no longer a world out there influencing me? Of course there is. But I'm separated from that as the Lord of my life. It does not have to be the defining rule of my life. He will say back in chapter 5, my own desires and passions in my heart I'm crucified from. I've got them, folks. Do we not all got them? We all struggle. I get it. But that does not have to be the controlling influence in my life. Christ is. I was crucified from that and that. And I'm crucified and united to Christ. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and given himself for me. Galatians 2. Do you see? Do you see how this is? I mean, Paul gets to the end, man. He's just saying, I'm going to try to get everything in here. And he just repeats all these powerful themes again. And he says, when people try to separate us ethnically, circumcised, uncircumcised, all... No! The beauty of the gospel is it embraces anybody who believes, and we become a new creation. Whoa, 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 Paul, wasn't everything lost at the fall? You got it. Sort of. Yes, according to man. But God was already in work, and in the coming of Jesus Christ, we are already seeing transformation in people's lives. Churches which begin to model God's intent from the beginning and a promise, and it's a down payment that one day he will totally change the world around us with his coming. Do you see? We are people of incredible hope. And Paul says, I am lost in that. And when you're lost in that, you're free to love. That's how it works. And Paul ends his book. People say, you know, Paul's pretty emotional in the book of Galatians. It's true. It's true. I could show you, I could show you, you know, if we could just kind of work through the original language, you could actually see times when in our English translations they smooth things out, but in the Greek it is not smoothed out because Paul is passionate. And he doesn't even finish sentences sometimes. Sorry, English teachers, he doesn't. Because for Paul, he doesn't want you to touch the gospel. Because if you say gospel plus, you just destroyed gospel. Paul says in Romans 4, grace plus works does not equal grace. Grace plus works equals works. It is Christ and Christ alone. I uh, assume that the vast majority of you in here believe this. I implore you, if you don't, that you would come to Christ. You can't. You can't. You cannot. You will not make it on your own. Impossible. You will fail. And you will stand condemned in hell forever because of it. Sorry, that's the truth. You can come to Jesus and he will forgive you of everything you've ever done, will do, have done, are doing, whatever. It's all gone. And you will learn the wonder of being given the Spirit and beginning to live new life and know under His Lordship, you don't have to do that stuff anymore because His power is within you. And I implore you to come. It may be that you've grown up around, not Christianity, but churchianity. Churchianity doesn't cut it. Christianity cuts it. And if you're a believer... Which I would assume for the vast majority. Will you think again about the wonders of the cross? And 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 push away. I I know it's football season, and people. Tim and I were watching Penn State lose last night, and uh, but do you know what I thought? I got up this morning. I'm sorry if you're a Penn State fan, but in light of eternity, who cares? Do you know what I'm saying? Really, who cares? And we have all kinds of things that come into our minds. as, What about this? And how about the football game? Can you believe that? I've got this problem. I'm struggling at school, at work. All legitimate stuff that needs to be talked through and shared and prayed about. I get it all. I totally get it all. Okay? I'm not minimizing it. But do not, do not, by God's grace, allow that to shift you away from what is central. Because it is from what is central that you can move back into your life with hope and with love to those around you. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice. We rejoice over the cross of Jesus Christ. May that alone be our boast. Yes, it strips us of any self-sufficiency because at the cross, all I see is sinner and all I see is Savior. You have loved us. You have forgiven us. And through your spirit, you want to transform us into the new creation which you have already begun. And Father, for that, we rejoice. In Christ's name, amen.